0: No, you're good. Hello, my friends. Welcome to On Point with Rachel Tergerman. I'm so glad you can join us tonight. My friends, the office of the Miami-Dade County State Attorney is the largest in the state of Florida and the fourth largest in our nation. The mission of the Miami-Dade County State Attorney's Office is to protect all of us and defend our constitution. How this office operates is paramount in keeping us protected. That is why I have taken the liberty tonight to invite the head of this office, the Honorable Catherine Fernandez-Rundle, who's the Miami-Dade County State Attorney, so that she can share with all of you all the programs and initiatives that she has initiated to curtail crime. Kathy, how are you today?
1: Uh, Raquel, it's so good to be here with you on your show. Your show's amazing. Thank you so thank much you. for including me in it. And everybody knows about the great work that you're doing through this program. You're such a good messenger and your messages are
0: so important. So I'm just really proud and happy to be part of this. Oh, thank you so much. That's why the world loves you. we're very happy that you're our Miami-Dade County State Attorney. And I wanna take this opportunity, Kathy, to congratulate you because since 1993, okay, you have been reelected six times. You are on your seventh time. You're doing a fantastic job, superlative. You are beyond remarkable. So for the purpose of this particular conversation that we're having tonight, I would like to get into some, and, and listen to what I'm saying, only some programs that you have implemented. Because if I'm to say all the programs, It's gonna take us years to talk about all your accomplishments. So we're gonna talk about some, and also I would like our viewers to get to know you a little bit better. So here we go. Talk to us about where you were born, Kathy. So
1: first of all, I wanna say thank you, Raquel, because those are very generous words, very kind words. Um, So I'm a a very uh, lucky young woman uh, in that my father came from Cuba and came to Miami and went to the University of Miami and met my mother there. And so from there, uh, he had his law degree with some like Universidad de Havana. So he had to go and you know, do some other courses and get some other degrees so that he could practice in this country. So he ended up going to Washington DC where he could uh, work as a, uh, a translator uh, during the day and then study at night for his law degree. So I was actually born like in a small little garage I'm told, little garage apartment somewhere in DC. And, uh, and that, that was a wonderful opportunity. Then my father and my mother of first moved back to Miami. And uh, that, that has been really just, I've been so blessed because my mother was a school teacher later in oh. life. She raised, she raised four children. And mm-hmm. so when her children were grown, I was the oldest of the four. Uh, She decided she wanted to uh, go and teach, so she did. She taught gifted, in the gifted program and in the learning disabled program. So she had special, yeah. And then my father was a lawyer. And uh, so I had two parents who were very happy in their work. They found rewards in their work. So that's why my undergraduate degree is in education. And my uh, postgraduate work was in the law.
0: Amazing. Getting back to your dad, I heard that he was amazing. I'm so sorry I never got a chance to meet him. He was a, a judge here in Miami-Dade County. He also was a founder of the Cuban American Bar a Group Association. And, of course, you were also appointed as president back in 1993. How much of your upbringing would you say, Catherine, that he inspired you to study law?
1: I, I'd say completely. I, really? Because we, yes. because I mean, both of my parents had a, a, a tremendous impact, a profound impact on me as a, as a young person, but also in the area of public service. They both love doing public service. In the law, I, I my father used to take me as a little girl to the courthouse. I would go to his buffete, which is a law <laughs> office, and I would watch him help a lot of people especially when all the exile community came um, from Cuba to Miami. He spoke English and Spanish. He had a law degree. So he was able to really help the exile community that was his community and his family from Cuba. So I got to watch all that. And that had a profound impact on me, to watch people come and look for a lawyer who could solve their problems, who could help their families, who could make corporations so they could get back to work, who could help with name changes, who who understood how to navigate the legal system. The other thing that was interesting about my father was uh, he had a very heavy accent. <laughs> and in those days, um, if you had a heavy accent, they you really, really didn't go into mainstream uh, courtrooms. And there was a lot of um, misunderstanding, we'll say, about what it is, was like to be a Hispanic in those days. I know it's hard to believe today because we are a majority in some respects, but then that was not the case. So that's one reason he and his friends said, you know, we need to have a voice. And the best way to do that is to see if we don't work with each other, solidify our efforts. And that's kind of how Kaaba was born. The Cuban American Bar Association, Yes, I, like I remember. Does anybody if anybody's watching this and remember in Centro Vasco, which was a restaurant on I remember 18th, that 22nd. restaurant? <laughs> you remember that? Yes. Well, my father, my father's buffete was adjacent to it. So we would always walk in the kitchen and grab stuff on Juanito's cooking pots. But it, that's where actually where Cabo was really seated. That it was his origin, was in that restaurant. And it was a great comfort to them, to each other, to, you know, to have a brotherhood, a sisterhood. Uh, where where lawyers who had accents and came from different backgrounds, Hispanic backgrounds with different law degrees, could really support each other. And, of course, today, Caba is probably one of the most preeminent voluntary bar associations in our community and perhaps in our state. And right. then many years later, I was able to run. I was the first woman president yes. of Caba.
0: Unfortunately, he didn't see that, but he was with me.
1: He was Absolutely. definitely with me.
0: And his spirit is always going to be with you, without a doubt. Talking about your dad and your education, where did you study? Where did you earn your degrees?
1: Well, I ended up uh, going to the University of Cambridge in England. I did a postgraduate degree in criminology, and hence my, my real passion for the criminal law. And then I got my law degree there as well. And this is, you might find interesting, Raquel, because you know, I, I was a daddy's girl, so to speak. So <laughs> I love that. when I came that. home after I, after I graduated, my father said, okay, uh, what now? And I said, I'm going to go back to Europe. I want to go to The Hague, and I want to fight and advocate against human rights violations. And he, he really didn't want me to go back over there. He said, so, what? <laughs> that was one word he used, amongst many others. And I'm then sure he, Yeah, he, um, he asked me to please, you know, while you're here for the summer, but why don't you go to the state attorney's office and work there? And yeah. I really wasn't sure that's what I wanted to do. I said, I'm not really interested in prosecution. And he said, well, just it's good. It's a good experience. You'll love it there. Just try it. So I went to the state attorney's office that summer and I fell in love with the office. Mm -hmm. I fell in love with its mission. I fell in love with the potential of being able to advocate for victims, all kinds of victims. And that's where I really found a purpose and a home. And I realized, Raquel, I didn't need to travel thousands of miles across the world to go fight human rights violations when there were so many right here in my backyard, in my community. And so that's, that's the beginning really of my career at the state attorney's office. And it's been, a, it's been a wonderful journey. I've met so many people, but it's also been such an inspiration that you get from the victims. When you can solve, or at least bring some sense of justice to a victim who's been raped, or they've lost a loved yes. one to a homicide, or they've been beaten, or their child's been abused, uh, or their child's been violated or kidnapped, or you know, there's been a home invasion robbery, and they come into your home and put you at gunpoint. Your life is forever altered. You're really never the same. That trauma lives for a long time. Absolutely. But if we, but you listen to them and the strength and courage that it takes for them, to call the police, to proceed with criminal cases, to go to court, it's very to taxing. be
0: the host. Absolutely. Now let me ask you this, Kathy. August 18, you're up for re-election. Who can vote on August 18 for the Miami-Dade County State Attorney seat? I'm so glad you asked that question
1: because it's a little historic. This one. It's it'll be the first time since 2004 where everyone can vote, everyone can have a voice in who they want to be their state attorney, who they want to continue to be the executive CEO of this beautiful large office that you described at the onset of this program. And that means that all Repo- it's an open primary and which means all Republicans, all independents and all Democrats can have a voice, they can vote. This will be it though. August 18th is the deadline. It will be decided. There is no general election past the 18th of August. So it's very, very important that your audience and understand and appreciate how important their vote is. Voting is such a privilege that so many uh, have suffered for and sacrificed for to come sure to this country to have that right to have a free democracy, to be able to vote. So you can vote by mail. that is uh, already ongoing mm-hmm. uh, next week. They, the um, early voting start will start, it's like 23 open precincts that'll be open. And then of course on the 18th of August is the election day. And I'm really hopeful that, that uh, the wonderful people in this community will appreciate the work Uh, that we have done. And it's not just me. I know you know this, Raquel. You know so many in our office. Mm -hmm. There are so many dedicated men and women who really devote their lives working for this community. So whatever uh, whatever achievements and accomplishments uh, that I get to talk about, it's really their work. It's my team's work. I call them the best team in America.
0: Well, you built it and you are making an indelible difference for all of us and Miami-Dade County owes you a lot Catherine Fernandez Rundle because you have done so many different changes you are a reform champion that's what you are you are a reform champion you've I've made so been many different opportunity it's it's a privilege really absolutely let's move over to uh, briefly on your platform your re-election platform maybe you want to cover a couple of things and then we'll move over to the programs that you've established
1: well, I think what a couple of things that are very important. So our mission really is to advocate for victims, as we talked about. It is to continue to be innovative. We're one of the most innovative prosecutor's offices in the country, and I'm part of something called the Institute for Innovative Prosecution at the John Jay oh. College, which is the preeminent uh, university, really, on criminal law. And it's also to make sure our mission that justice is equal, that there are just outcomes, and those that are going through the judicial system are treated fairly and, and equal in the eyes of the law. Sometimes you, it's our decisions um, may not be quietly clear in the eyes of the public, because we have to rely on the law and mm-hmm. on the evidence, not how we feel, not how we feel about something or what somebody did that maybe wasn't right or it didn't feel right. That's not what our obligation is under the law. Our obligation under the law is to apply the law with the evidence and be able to prove a case beyond a reasonable doubt. So we're very innovative in that respect. And one other thing I just wanna share with you, our platform really is very involved in the concept of smart justice. And we've been asked uh, by so many different groups around the country to come and talk about what they call smart justice Miami style. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. I mean, we, we were speaking out on this in Canada just last year. And essentially what we've been able to do is reduce crime in our community by 70%, the lowest rate that it has been in 30
0: years. For wow. our Miami Dade Community College, beautiful. Congratulations to, to, to you and your team. Congratulations.
1: Yes, I, I'm so proud of them, and and so, but we've also been able to do that by creating pathways, Raquel. So, in other words, not everything is a pipeline to jail or prison. There are so many alternative pathways that we have created to address underlying problems where there's someone's not really a danger to society. They're not gonna really hurt somebody. They're not a risk, they're not a murderer, a rapist, a child predator, that's different. Those folks, prisons and jails are designed to keep them away from other people, to not hurt them. But the overwhelming majority of folks, they're going to, they got underlying issues. Sometimes you're talking about addiction issues. Sometimes you're talking about mental health related issues you
0: created Sometimes a court didn't you recently create something i don't mean to interrupt you but a, a mm-hmm. mental illness or some kind of court to deal with mental issues so that you don't have to incarcerate them you're giving them services is that right
1: that's exactly right so that's one of the alternative pathways
0: we i love it through
1: what we call therapeutic courts just like you just described therapeutic courts where people are on a path to get health healthy where they get treatment and services and medication, if that happens to be what they're needed, and get them into something constructive. Because that's what we all want. We want people not to return to crime, we exactly. want them to return to becoming a contributing member of our community. And honestly, a lot of them, that's what they want too. They just don't know right. how to access those services. So we've been very successful at that. And that's, that's sort of, you know, I'll give you an example of the drug court, Raquel, started here in Miami uh, several decades ago, a couple of decades ago. And at the time, it was the first in the United States. There are now, I believe, over 4,000 drug courts
0: based on the model that we created here. But I'm Miami not Day surprised, County. Catherine, because everybody knows that everything you create here, the rest of the world copies you. So congratulations well, for being a national model you. for the world.
1: No, well, that's <laughs> kind that's of you seconds. to say.
0: Let's take a few seconds. I want to say thanks to all our advertisers and then we'll return back to you. So again, I want to give special thanks to our advertisers. Without you guys, this show would not be possible. All of you providing outstanding services from Miami-Dade County and beyond. The Jose Milton Foundation, of course, Commissioner Daniela Levine, who's running for mayor. And of course, Catherine Fernandez-Rondo, our amazing state attorney, we love you. We have, of course, our attorney, Mike Minaval, who's running from Miami-Dade County uh judge actually and we have jackson health foundation the best in the nation we have our attorney nicole alvarez excellent attorney as well saposnik so insurance survivors pathway and the list goes on we have ed Herado de broward hispanic women distinction united home care catholic hospice and of course vip sales anthony damato toyota of north miami thank you to all our advertisers god bless you kathy I want to go into a different areas that are very, very important to Miami-Dade County: domestic violence. Share with all of our viewers right now: what have you done? I know personally because I work very closely with you for over twenty-something years. But what have you done with domestic violence for all the victims out there that are hearing?
1: So one one of the things I always say, Raquel, when people would ask me, when I you know for years ago, right, is what how do we stop violence in the streets? and i would always say you have to start with stopping violence in the home so years ago when i create when i when i set out on this mission to create an infrastructure to create a specialization in the victimology of domestic violence understanding its trauma understanding how children are really the direct and indirect victims of family violence that began the, the whole where we are today Now, we have specialized lawyers, we have specialized units, both at the felony and the misdemeanor level. We have specialized courts. We have specialized services. We now just expanded. When I say we, I'm talking about all of us working together. Of course. Uh, And you know this so well, Raquel, because you've always been one of our partners. And you watch this, and we could not do it without our
0: collaborators. And what,
1: I know I'm taking just
0: a little sidestep here. but Oh, I want thank you, time because I want all of viewers to get to know you more so. You've done such an amazing job. They have to know how you've made Miami-Dade County a better place for all of us to live, learn, play, raise our families.
1: Thank you. You know, it's uh, one of the things I love about this community is our ability to collaborate. We really are such a collaborative community. So when we set our sights, uh, we have a mission that there's an issue that we need to solve. We yes. all come together and we work together, and we will build a safety net of services and infrastructure. of But I got
0: to say this, Kathy, you are the, the, you're it. You are our leader, okay? And yes, we all come together, but we know that you're going to be right there in the middle of all of us, and you are steering us in this direction, that direction. I mean, you are a leader. Nobody can question well, that, and an effective leader, you. too. So So domestic violence, I want to thank you on behalf of all the victims out there in domestic violence. Uh, Thank you for creating this system of more accessibility so that when they are uh, victimized, if you will, by the perpetrator of violence, they know they can call your office. uh, They know they can talk to your advocates. They know that they can work with all your collaborators. Let's move on to human trafficking. It is no secret for those of us that have had the honor, the pleasure, and the dignity to be able to work with you that around seven or 10 years ago, we really didn't know much about human trafficking, but thanks to you, Catherine Fernandez-Rundle, thanks to you as being our Miami Dade County state attorney, your vision, your tenacity, your commitment, Catherine, to make a difference in human trafficking, we are in a much better place than a lot of other people in the countries across the United States and in other countries. Talk to us about that.
1: Well, thank you very much. And you've been a great partner in this journey as well. So you're absolutely right. About seven years ago, maybe, maybe it's eight years now, The uh, it's called Polaris. It's a national database. Identify Florida as number two and number three in the United States in the number of victims of human trafficking. And of course, Miami is great as we are. Unfortunately, we're number one in a lot of things, but we're also number one in the Number of victims, and it was at that point, Raquel. You may have heard me tell the story that when I called my team together, I said, "Where are all, we have all these victims? Where are all these cases?" And we didn't have the cases that we should have had. That began at that moment. We took off those glasses, put on no, new glasses, and we said, "Okay, if we're not looking for human trafficking, we're not going to find human trafficking." And and it was at that point in time that we realized human trafficking, at least for me, wasn't what I thought it was. I thought when I heard human trafficking seven or eight years ago, I conjured up this image of children being kidnapped and put in cargo container ships from the Philippines up through Central and South America and coming here. Mm. And there's a portion of that, but that's not really who our victims are. Our victims of human trafficking are, are boys and girls, mostly girls, that are in our schools, they're in our parks, they're in our foster care system. And so we did, we developed as a community. We started the Policy Institute on on Human Trafficking, which you became a part of. We changed the laws, working with our legislators. We did not have a shelter. I know you know this, Raquel, there was no shelter. Oh yes, Camilla's house, thanks
0: to you. Thanks to you, Catherine, I remember. You got the Camilla's house going and all the victims are able to go there. I mean, what you have done, what you have well, done you to Miami-Dade County is unbelievable. God bless you, well, Catherine. Thank you. We we did it
1: together as a community. Thank God to Camilla's house, right, that I met went right in front of the
0: board. Yeah, but you yeah. went to Tallahassee. Don't be so humble. You went to Tallahassee, and you were yes. there lobbying, lobbying to get the funds to build that at Camilla's house.
1: Yes, that's very true. I was very lucky. Thank you for reminding me. we went to tallahassee we we lobbied them and we were able to get the initial i think six hundred thousand dollars that was needed to get the shelter open and running it's called the uh, project phoenix Yes. and of course renee garcia and carlos trujillo at the time were very very helpful in helping us get that done and that project phoenix remains today so that's really it's a really good thing the the other thing we did raquel is we opened up our human trafficking center yes i hope you've been there what about uh what is it 15 months ago it's
0: like a one-stop approach center for all our victims for the prosecutors for the advocates how did you come up with that idea by the way
1: well i you know it was really it just kind of naturally flowed because you had a place you had all these specialized lawyers we had we by the way we changed the way we do prosecution we don't we don't do traditional prosecution on these cases because you can't, unfortunately, you can't rely on these victims, meaning that sometimes we don't want to re-traumatize them. And right. sometimes they, they run on us or they leave town for a whole bunch of different reasons. Some of them are, are brought here from their hometowns and they want to go home. They want to see their families. So, you know, we decided we were going to have to change the way we do prosecution. And so getting all the specialized lawyers with the specialized counselors, this is a very interesting victimology. You and I've talked about this. Yes. The symptomology is somewhat similar to those of domestic violence, You know, that family violence, that control, that manipulation, yes. that emotional dependency that the, the abuser likes to create with the victim. Mm-hmm. But um, we, well, it just came to be that everything came together. The county commission helped me pull that together. I have a lot of support with the county commissions, and I'll we'll
0: always thank them
1: for supporting
0: Everybody, everybody supports business. you, Catherine. Why wouldn't they? You've done amazing stuff for us, amazing. Well, thank you. I wish that were true. <laughs> but, <laughs> it you know, is true. You know, I wanna move on, because I know I don't wanna spend too much on human trafficking. Like, like I said, we're only gonna cover a few because if not, we'll be here forever. Moving on to child support. A lot of the financial assistance that our kids should rightfully get, they're not getting it. But thanks to you again, and thanks to your team and what you've implemented, a lot of our children are receiving the financial assistance that is legally right to go to them. Talk to us about that.
1: Yeah, I'm very proud of what that team does over there in child support. So a lot of people think of us just being in in criminal law and, and fighting crime. Well, we are, but we also think that helping our children is part of crime prevention. So I think I'm the only state attorney, I'm pretty sure I'm the only <laughs> state attorney in Florida that has a separate division called the Child Support Enforcement Division. 400 uh, support staff, 80,000 cases. And just to give you an wow. example, Raquel, last year, that team over there was able to get $182 million worth of judgments on the children in our community. Amazing. And in the last seven years, they've collected over a $1 billion
0: in child support enforcement. Oh, my God. Do you know, know what that means, for- Catherine, from a family perspective? How many parents you've helped? How many children? How many children you have helped that perhaps will not even have any food on their table because it's very difficult nowadays to make serious money? And now you're finding these these people that are not giving money, child support to the children that they're supposed to give. I mean, oh my God, this is amazing. God bless you. It's, it's really, it's been wonderful to listen
1: to the moms and some of the children that, that later grow up and they reach out and they say, thank you for helping my family with this. And you know, it's really just because we really believe, right,
0: the right. children
1: have the right to have everything that they possibly can to compete in this very complex world. And so we're very proud of what the child support enforcement division does.
0: Now I'd like to take you to hate crimes. We all know that hate crimes are inhumane, totally unacceptable and an abomination to society. Where do you stand with the hate crimes?
1: Well, several years ago, and I couldn't agree more with your characterization, that it is intolerant. And it it is such a sad thing to watch what Mm -hmm. human beings can do to other human beings. So but so we started something called a hate crimes unit and that hate crimes unit is made up of about 10 lawyers and both the chief and the deputy chief of that unit uh, have done a remarkable job. And they do this in addition to handling homicide cases. One of them was on police shooting duty just this this weekend and called me about it. And but they take on these cases. A lot of them involve anti-Semitic um aggression aggressive behaviors Uh, some of it involves what they do against trans people are just so sad Uh, they become a real target they're really uh we've seen an increase in that lately we've had a couple as you know we had a couple of uh, two men that were brutally really attacked and uh during gay pride week i guess the parade was on and they were in the park these are the kinds of cases we won't tolerate. These are the kinds of cases that we advocate for. And we've been doing this for several years now. One of the challenges we have, especially for the transgender community, is um, gender identification. So right now, gender identification is something that we've been advocating in Tallahassee to have that included legislatively part of the law and make it part of hate crimes. So we we were not successful the last couple of years, but we're we're going to continue to advocate for that.
0: One last we, thing in yeah. that
1: area, Raquel. I don't know if you know this. We partnered with FIU um, with Professor Basiki, who got a who got a, I believe it's the uh, Arnold Foundation grant, so that we could then they 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 are doing an incredible study that involves Hispanic uh, gays and why they don't seem seem to be uh, as comfortable coming forward and reporting the crime. A lot lot of the victims of hate crimes suffer in silence. And that's just unacceptable. So hopefully this research will teach us how do we better access those victims so those victims can come forward. And then we can
0: go to court and advocate for them and bring them some justice. Well, with you at the helm, we will continue to do this. I also want to turn and compliment you again. I know that you were at the forefront for felons to be able to vote again. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yes. And to, and
1: well, first of all, I've I've always believed in second chances. Yes. Which is why I have a But your actions chance. show it, Catherine. Yes. And thank you. And and you know what? The rewards are watching people take advantage of that. You know, and and seizing that opportunity and making something for themselves. and they deserve to have all of us deserve a second chance. Absolutely. So we started something um, about around two thousand and eleven at least I think it's that far back, called second chance program. And it was for uh, felons who were qualifying to seal and expunge their criminal record, so they wouldn't have all those collateral consequences of a criminal record. You know, can't get a job, can't get financial aid, can't rent an apartment. Right can't get into the military. There are all those collateral da- uh, consequences. So from that really led, it was a natural uh, progression when the FRRC, the, the oh my gosh, the Florida Restoration and Civil Rights Coalition. That's royalty. a mouthful. <laughs> I know, thank you. <laughs> I, I know them so well, I just have to think about what their full name was. I know them by their acronym, of course everybody knows who they are. They do an amazing job. Desmond Mead is an incredible leader. And when they wanted to get on the ballot the right for ex-felons who paid their debt to society, and it's not all of them. It doesn't include murderers and and sexual offenders, but many others who paid their debt to society, they want to get on with their lives, and voting is such a huge part of that. So through the grand jury report, we actually studied this around the country, and there were only four states in all of the United States that were holding back this population from voting. And so we supported it beyond the ballot. I wrote an editorial with some of my colleagues uh, that hopefully people would vote for it. It went on
0: the ballot. All the good work of the FRC. Oh, everybody's and- talking about it, Catherine. I mean, it, that it is, is a, a it's, thing
1: that you did. It, well, I, you know, really was, I just supported them. Then, you know, it was the FRC and the ACLU. And so many folks, and ultimately the voters by almost sixty-five percent of all parties voted in favor to amend to amend the constitution to allow them the opportunity to do that.
0: So with that,
1: we were able to then develop something we people might call a rocket docket. So we can get those cases, pull them you know, get them done, get them into court. And try to get uh, everything slated so that they could feel free to register to vote. And then one of my favorite days was in November, standing in court, watching them line up to get their orders that said they were clear to go register to vote. And John Legend actually came to I court- saw that.
0: I saw that. Wow. That
1: day. And then just watch the folks come up to the, you know, if you've ever been in a courtroom, it can be. You know it can be pretty overwhelming, right? It's, it's yes. powerful to be in a court. That was a remarkable
0: moment, Catherine. Remarkable, it really was. It was a glorious
1: day, and we watched some of them just cry,
0: just cry with joy. Tears well, of thank joy. Thank you, thank you for going out of your way to you know making sure that they can vote. I want to move on and again compliment you. I know that uh, you have a partnership going on with uh, a Deer Institute system that's world worldwide known. Jackson health system, mm-hmm. uh, they were here last week. We did an amazing show with them as well. Uh, you created this partnership whereby the people, our juveniles, our youth that are found with guns, you take mm-hmm. them to the tra- to the of trauma center, right? That's right. And they're looking at the, at the people that have been uh, wounded by guns. What are you trying to do with this program?
1: Yes, the gate program. Yeah that was really so you know so many of the victims of gun violence are young children and are youth and a lot of the shooters are are young are young people so we wanted to if someone was caught with a gun maybe it was, you know without having committed a murder or anything that's a completely different pathway but we wanted we wanted the youth to know that what guns really do They're not a toy. They destroy lives. They don't even kill, but they also maim. And so we did this great partnership with Jackson Memorial Hospital and the whole concept. And it seemed so many young people have gone through it. And it's right there on site. And the idea was, you know, we don't see about those that are quadriplegics or paraplegics who have had spinal cord injury due to gun violence. And so the whole concept was to let these young people feel the sadness to create empathy and understanding for how awful gun violence can be to the victims and also to their families. Yes. There are some families that are forever traumatized by gun violence, who live in gun violence. And so it was just a natural thing. And the interesting thing is that thankfully, it was it was a, it was a head nurse, Dr. Mimi Sutherland, who helped me put that together. She's since retired, but she did an amazing job. She mentored these young folks and it really has been very successful.
0: And I love it because, you know, let these kids see that you don't want to hurt anybody. So again, compliments to you, right? I want to also piggyback on your START program. Mm -hmm. I know that this program is for the youth and they're learning how to stay away from the path of danger. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? We're trying, Yeah, we
1: go into the schools and we do a lot of role playing because really we want to reach the children before they, they reach us in the criminal justice
0: system. Exactly.
1: Right? And parents
0: love you for that. They love you. And the kids also, when they grow up, they're going to love you too. Because if it wasn't because of all your intervention, Catherine, and your team, they will be locked up in the jail system.
1: Well, you know, we want we don't want that. None of us. No, want No. That. And it's that's Aaron. why all
0: your creative, innovative programs are stopping them from being incarcerated, because you're right there to intervene. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, no,
1: it's great. Listen, I'm just going to ask you to take over because you're so good at this. <laughs> but it's the truth. Oh, you're so good. You're very kind. Thank you. Well, the, co- the concept is just that it's to interrupt that that potential pipeline. Some people call it or that pathway. Uh, to criminality. And so mm-hmm. we know that if we could go into the schools, when we go into the schools a lot, whether it's on the issue of bullying, bullying's a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. To prevent suicide, to have children understand when you're being bullied, what to do and teach others bullying is unacceptable. We've been doing that a lot with the superintendent. Uh, he also allows us to do the STAR program. And the STAR concept is to do some role playing with the children. Okay, something happens. What do you do? You have to stop, think, you know, before you act and react. Right, because children, you know, they really don't have, we, what we know now about neuroscience is the brain is not fully developed until the age of 24 and 25. Mm-hmm. So children, they don't have this ability to control their impulses. And exactly. that's the last part, the frontal brain, frontal lobe of the brain, that's the last part that actually develops. So I'm, I'm often reminded of sometimes when a child does something wrong and we, we shake them, we go, well, what were you thinking? What exactly. Because they don't have the ability mm-hmm. to do that. They're not fully developed brains to think like we are. So one of our concepts there is to have to sort of try to program them in a good way, to have them think another
0: way of reacting to a situation other than- And I love it. I love it, Catherine, as a parent, again, I mean, there aren't enough words in the dictionary to compliment you and how creative you have been to save our children, because it comes down to saving our children. Let's talk about our youth and you giving out citations instead of incarcerating them.
1: Thank you for bringing that up. Yes, in um, 2007, we had a uh, zero tolerance in our schools. And at that time, they were arresting a lot of children for what I would refer to as kind of junky crimes. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the, you know, speaking with the schools and speaking with the teachers and the police, I said, what is it that you, why are we making these arrests? Let's try something different. So I, they told me, all I need is something. The, parent, the other parent wants me to do something. The principal wants me to do so something. That is how I came up with the concept of the civil citation. So in 2007, we created the civil citation, not sure. for serious offenders, these are for nonviolent offenders. And it's amazing, the concept was to cite a child, identify the behavior, deal with the behavior instead of arresting them. So since 2007, there have been 21,000 youth who had been cited as opposed to being arrested and brought into the uh, criminal justice system. And I think it's made a big difference. Youth crime is down. Absolutely. And, you know, if we if we didn't have to criminalize their behavior, that's that's you
0: know muzzle tough as they say, right? That's a, thing. That's it's a good thing. That's a very thing. And um, lastly, and lastly, I want to bring up your uh, 12 and under program. That's also very important for parents to see and to know what you're doing with the 12 and under program.
1: The 12 and under program uh, is very interesting. And uh, I I, I know we're running out of time and I really appreciate Raquel, all of this.
0: You've been so wonderful. Because I want our viewers to really understand, Catherine, that you have been working, 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 working. I don't even know when you sleep. Oh, well, you're
1: very, you too. Look at you, look at all the good things that you do. And so I hope you'll have me back.
0: Yes, many, many more times. But I wanted to to end with this particular program and I wanna thank you for seeing the goodness in our children and knowing that the kids that are 12 and under also deserve another chance. And you know, why should we give them a record when you could intervene immediately and make this kid whole again?
1: Yes, thank you. And and that's the whole goal here, right? We all wanna make families whole. We wanna give the families a wherewithal to be able to work with our youth. And I don't know if you can give them numbers, but please give them all our hotline numbers, Raquel, so they know who to call, where to go. If anybody has a question, we're Definitely. so happy to help. And Raquel, I wish you so much continued success with uh, Same this great here. program. What you're doing I
0: appreciate specifically- you. Is it's there a last amazing. minute message? Again, I want to tell you that you've done a remarkable job. You know, we all agree on that. Thank you for being beyond fabulous. Is there a last minute message that you would like to give all of yours tonight? Well, yes, I'd like to take this opportunity, since you asked me, to reach
1: out to those that are watching and listening and and ask you, please, to vote for me uh, and vote for my team when you vote for me on August 18th or or even before, because voting has started. And let us continue to do the good work that we've tried to do and have done for this community. Everyone can vote. Uh, Everyone should vote, Republicans, Democrats, Independents. Uh, please vote for our, my punch number is number 23. And I really would appreciate knowing that you support what we're doing, that you believe in what we're doing, and that you will vote and get your families and friends to vote as well. Thank you very much. And God bless you all. Thank you, Raquel.
0: Thank you, Catherine. We love work, you. Raquel. We thank the you world do. of
1: you. Keep it up. Thank you.
0: Best of luck to you. God bless you. And to all of you, thank, thank you yourself. so much for tuning in and to On Point with Rachel Turgerman. Please do not forget to subscribe on YouTube on put Rachel Turgerman. And remember to vote, as Catherine fernandez Ronder our Miami-Dade County State Attorney, doing a fantastic job on August 18th, as she said, anybody can vote. And remember also to keep us all safe, abide by the CDC guidelines. Although the experts are saying that this virus is not going away, we can make sure that we can do it. We can make it go away, we can pray, and we can watch each other's back, wear your mask, watch your distance wash your hands and we too someday we'll see this virus get out the door because we don't want it anymore god bless you all stay healthy and safe bye bye for now you. no you're good